For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's three up top this evening and leading the line once again and wearing the captain's armband is Cole. So, Cole, how have things been in the past week? Well, I think, you know, we spoke just before this, Dan, and as you said, in life everything's tickety-boo, but as far as football is concerned, things are looking very bleak, mate. They are looking bleak. We'll talk about that in a minute. Also joining us is James, and James, the most important question is, are you ready to bring home the Yiddo Idol gold? Oh, we're only a couple of seconds into the show and you already <laughs> reminded me about that. I'm absolutely... <laughs> <laughs> devastated to have been shortlisted um it, you know I, I don't even know what to say if anyone who votes for me i think we, we might have a bit of a falling out well you've heard it here first i pulled out of it because i didn't want to split the vote i'm backing james as much as i can and also on the panel tonight is the returning holly so holly it's a pleasure to have you on board as always and how have you been since we last spoke yeah no i've been really good obviously i'm glad to be back happy to be on again but uh, like we said football hasn't been great <laughs> No, it hasn't. Right, so let's get the social media bits out of the way first so we can dissect Saturday and more in full. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Common Spurs app where the podcast will be available each and every Tuesday morning. You can, of course, follow us across social media. We're on Twitter at COIS underscore COM. And we're on all the major audio platforms. That's Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. You name it, etc. Right, let's get down to business. And that business is what can only be described as a rather difficult week for Tottenham. And I guess, Cole, what a difference a week makes. Because seven days ago, on this show, we were sitting quite pretty, weren't we? Bullish at times after that win over Aston Villa. Set us up nicely for the last third of the season. But then, unbeknownst to us, a human min song injury was just hours over the line. And that really has derailed our season. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I think, as you say, Dan, last Monday, we'd kind of sit in there and we'd, we'd seen a bit of an attacking performance, hadn't we? Where we created lots of chances and you thought, well, OK... You know, if we can get ourselves set defensively, then, you know, we could have what it takes to kind of get going this season. And, you know, we was on a good run. Um, but then, like, as you say, that that news kind of breaking on Monday about human songs injury. Uh, and I think most Spurs fans at that point, you know, your kind of stomach and your heart dropped, didn't you? Because you kind of sort of knew, well... With Kane's out, Son is the man who normally steps up. But if he's now out, you the confidence just wasn't there in anybody else stepping up to score the goals we might need. And unfortunately, we kind of saw two performances, didn't we, that kind of summed that up and made all our fears a reality because we just look a team toothless, um, you know, devoid of confidence going forward. And as we're seeing, you know, defensively, we just don't look like, you know, we're, we're going to be able to keep clean sheets on a regular basis. So it, it's kind of put a bit of a doom on the rest of the season now, isn't it? Because the confidence level has gone and that kind of confidence we were feeling around potentially pushing for that top four and making sure we can get there. I think that's kind of disappeared, you know, within the space of two games it's kind of disappeared and now there's a feeling that, well, you know, will we even make a Europa League place if the sort of form continues the way those two games have shown? So that one injury really has put the season um, a massive shadow over the rest of the season now. And James, does that injury to Hyunmin Song, is that labelled as more bad luck or have we created the bad luck for ourselves? That being not signing a centre forward in January. So you have to ask yourself if that is the case. And the hindsight is, of course, a wonderful thing. Why have the club not pan planned for every eventuality? 
I think it is. It's a bit of both, isn't it? Um, you know, everyone knows that we should have signed a striker in January. Um, even more so after losing Harry Kane, because that was going to be a massive burden uh, on someone like Son, uh, who would have to play in that role. Um, but at the end of the day, you have to say that it is it is bad luck. You know, some teams, you know, look at look at this Liverpool team, um, have rarely suffered an injury at all this season, and and look at our injury list. You know, it's not just Kane and Son. We've had other big players out for for vast amounts of time. Hugo Lloris was out for a long time. We've had Sissoko out for the season. Lo Celso and Dombele and Sessegnon have all had uh, injury concerns since they joined the club. Um, and, you know that that's that's just an injury list that is going to derail any any kind of season. Um, that that said, you are completely right, Dan. The club should have planned for every eventuality. Uh, you know, you wouldn't have you wouldn't not have a backup in any other any other position on the pitch. You know, imagine not having a backup for Hugo Lloris when he got injured. You know, it is absolutely. Uh, unforgivable that Harry Kane is is the only senior striker at the club, um, uh, and it you know it's a, it's a real problem. Um, now we are we are seeing the worst case scenario in that our two best attacking players uh, are out for for the rest of the season, and 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 the performances you know be it only two games, two very tough games as well. Which you know you know Carl, you are absolutely right in saying the last two games have been shocking, but. You know, there were two good teams that we played against, you know, um, so let's not get too ahead of ourselves. But there's clearly a big gap at the front of our attack and we need someone to lead that line so desperately. And Holly, does that injury to Sun almost play into Mourinho's hands now? Because he's spoken about lack of bullets. After the game, he mentioned that, you know, we couldn't create chances because there was no pace or a centre forward. If we limp to the end of the season, we say finish on no eighth and don't get into the Europa League. Can he then knock on Levy's door and say, look, you know, now I need to open the purse strings? Because if you get to fourth or fifth, you limp over the line, nothing really changes. So almost do we need that sort of, or will that scenario play out where a lesser finish then actually makes bigger change in the summer? To us, I don't really know what needs to happen for us to start spending money on players like strikers. Like you said, we limped over the line getting to that Champions League final. What came out of it in the summer transfer window? Not really big signings that we really needed. So I don't really know. Obviously, we all want to be able to get into the UCL next year. And if we don't manage that, Europa. But I think if we do finish eighth, I think something's going to happen. There's going to be a lot of fans that are in uproar. The fact that they haven't seen the cash being spent. And Carl, if you look at matters on the pitch, like I said, there's very few highlights to talk about. Now, is that a very worrying precursor between now and May? You know, some are already sort of downing tools from a fan's point of view and saying, I've had enough. Are you in that camp? Is there still something, something to fight for? What do you take of that? Well, you, you know, you, you have to kind of believe that there's still something to fight for, don't you? And, you know, you'd like to think that, you know, the players that we've got, you know, in someone like Moore and that and, and Bergwijn, that there's players there that can that can produce. Um, I think the worry we have is, is how often they'll produce from now till the end of the season. You know, I, I think one of the problems we really have in this squad with a lot of players and, and especially the attacking players are you either get a brilliant performance from somebody or just a really poor one where you're almost playing with 10 men, you know, someone like Mora, he is either brilliant or he is just a passenger for the for the whole game. And that's the problem. None of them seem to have what I would call sort of like, you know, mediocre games where you say, well, OK, he wasn't bad, but he wasn't brilliant, but he did a really good job. You know, he did OK. It, it's either brilliant or poor. Um, and you do just kind of wonder how many performances you can get out of the likes of Mora, Bergwijn, you know, who's still, let's face it, he's still adapting. So 
to him to try and burden the responsibility now of scoring the goals in this league, just come into it that see us into top four. You kind of doubt that's going to happen. You know, he he was kind of a passenger for most of the game Saturday. Um, we've got some really tough games coming up. You know, the next few, the next run of games where you got Wolves coming, that will be difficult. Um, you know, then you know you got United again. Um, there's just some massive games, and you do just fear now that confidence is draining from the side, you know, and I think, again, you could see that Saturday. It was one of those performances where you just thought, you know, there's a bit of pressure on, but we got the kind of normal performance in those circumstances where we didn't really show up, you know. They had little patches here and there, um, you know, the odd break where we thought we looked dangerous, but the majority of game, we were just too powder puff, not strong enough, not confident enough. Um, and you just, you know, like I say, for me now, I do just fear what's going to happen. I think we'll still be okay against some of the weaker sides. But, you know, if we're playing the likes of Sheffield United, Wolves, teams around us, then then I kind of worry for us because they're good going forward and solid at the back. And I, and I think that will be our problem and our undoing. James, when it comes to Jose Mourinho, is the mask starting to slip? I mean, the first few weeks... Gets uh, best friends with the ball boy, you know, all these sort of nice sort of things. You think, oh, actually, he's changing tact. And don't get me wrong, he's obviously not as acidic as he once was, but there is a little bit of a rot already starting to creep in with his mannerisms. He's a bit narky all of a sudden. Is that a worrying trait in itself? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we were saying it on this podcast as, as well as everyone else was saying it. The, the interviews that he was giving uh, in his first few days as, as Tottenham boss, he was very happy, very smiley. Um, and but it was almost like he was reading it off a script. You know, he was uh, he was saying all the right things, but it was almost like he had a, he had a PR team behind him, telling telling us what we all wanted to hear. Um, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that the mask has slipped um, just yet because you know he, he he is a ruthless manager, and if there's anyone who's going to get the best out of this group of players, it's going to be him because he he will make decisions that. That other managers might not, you know, he's 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 not afraid to to annoy some players to, to get under their skin, you know. Deli Ali being dropped from the start against Chelsea, like that's a big call. Um, someone like Ali would have been a mainstay under Pochettino, whether he was playing good or bad. But but under under Mourinho, you just get this feeling that he'll have a word with him and he'll say, look, if you're not pulling your weight, you're going to be out of this squad. Um, but you are right in what you say. He he doesn't look as Happy and chirpy, and I think he's starting to starting to realise um, what a big task he has on his hands. Uh, you know, he said it himself that if he does get Tottenham into the top four this year, it will be his biggest achievement. And then this is coming from a guy who's won Champions Leagues, who's won Premier League titles. Um, you know, I've, I, I, whether he whether or not he knew what a task he had on his hands before um, when he when he first accepted the job. You know, we all knew he had a big task on his hands, but even back then he had Harry Kane and Son in his team. So, you know, I, I, you, you wonder how much he spoke to Daniel Levy, whether Daniel Levy's made promises that he's now going back on, whether he was promised funding in January or, or, or funding for, for, you know, future signings, and that's been taken away. You know, there's, there's a lot of it, if, buts and maybes. But one thing is for certain, if this season ends badly... Um, then he's going to want funding in, in, in the summer. And if Levy doesn't give it him, then I could see him uh, getting on his horse. And Holly, if we go one step further, some fans on Twitter are, are already questioning whether Jose Mourinho was the right appointment. Now, surely that can only be construed as a knee-jerk reaction from events in the past week. Does that show how fa fickle fans are? Or do they have something of a valid point? It's a tough one. I mean, 
personally, I think it's too quick to, for people to write them off. I mean, look at us under Poch. We waited five years for nothing. I know we got to the Champions League final at the end, but we still got nothing to show for it. I think, I think it's more frustration. I wouldn't say we've got fickle fans in our fan base. I think it's just out of pure frustration. We all thought Joseph was going to come in and turn the ship right around, but obviously it's been a lot harder than we thought. He's hit a few icebergs on the way. Very good. And it has, <laughs> I'm picking up uh, little quotes here. Um, it wasn't plain sailing from the start, and I think it has knocked him back a few pegs. But for fans to sit there and say, like I've seen on Twitter, they want him out, they want him gone, I think it's too soon. We need to give him some time. And the same with players, really, like the like the likes of Ndombele, people writing him off as well. I mean, he hasn't been fit for starters. So, like, I just think he needs time, personally. I'd have to agree, because, Cole, there are mitigating circumstances, those being the injury. So, if we are looking for excuses, there they are. And I think it'd be very harsh to sort of assess Mourinho's time in, what, 15 league games and say it's been abject failure, which obviously hasn't been the case. So, if you were to give a rough assessment or an honest assessment... What would you be grading Reno in these first few months? Well, I think the fact that obviously when he came in where we were and suddenly we are, we are, if you like, still in a top four race, I think you still have to kind of give him credit for kind of turning it around slightly the way he has done. Um, so I kind of feel you can't really judge him too much on this season. You know, I would say I don't think he, he felt, I don't think he would have felt the squad was as bad as it is. I think when he probably took the job, he probably thought he had more talent on his hands and could probably get more out of the team than what Poch had done in his last you know, few months. But I think he's probably realised quite quickly that actually there's a lot of players in this squad that have either dropped off a cliff and just suddenly lost it or you know, are not playing with the sort of confidence that they need to get the sort of performances that we think we should be able to achieve. Um, but the reality is, you know, Jose gets, doesn't he, in, until the end of the season, he gets a summer, he gets a pre-season. Um, the one thing I would say is that, obviously, if he gets a pre-season where he can bring players in and kind of get this, you know, painful rebuild up and running, if we are still playing the sort of negative football that we've played the last couple of games and results are not going the way we think they should be by the middle of next season... I wouldn't be surprised if you're looking at a possible change at that point because I think the one thing that will happen is fans will not accept that sort of negative football um, for too long. So I, I honestly think, you know, we I think we all knew when, you know, Jose was appointed that this was either going to go one or two ways. It would either be a brilliant masterstroke leave he's pulled off or this was just going to be a car crash and it would end pretty quickly. And I think that will still be the case, you know, but we've got to give him the summer to get players in, shit players out, kind of, you know, get a pre-season working with this squad and kind of get some ideas across and a style of playing. You know, we do have to remember that he still isn't getting the probably time he was on the training pitch to kind of sort some stuff out. And then, you know, you put the injuries into the mix as well. So, I, you know, in, in some ways, I think there's quite a few fans who would probably say to you, if you could end the season tomorrow, brilliant, we'll take it because we just want to get this over and done with now and get the summer here, pre-season, and then see what's happening. So I kind of think, you know, he won't get a free ride, but he has got possibly until the summer and the middle of next season to prove people right. And he deserves that. But I say, if we're playing that sort of negative football um, by the middle of the next season and we're not getting the results, then I think he'll be under a lot of pressure. And, you know, you, I could even see it being sour enough where he's gone by the middle of the next season. 
Just a, if, yeah. sorry, just just a word if I may on on whether Jose Mourinho was was the right person to bring in at the right time. If you look at the timing, you know Arsenal were were already looking out for a new manager. Tottenham were already looking out for a new manager. You know, if we go into some kind of ulterior uh, alternate reality where Arsenal sacked Emery first and and went for for Mourinho and then Tottenham were left you know who who do we go for who would we have gone for um you know that that was my my biggest point at the time was yeah I didn't want Pochettino to go but he did go that was the, that's the reality of it he he was sacked and and who else was out there for Tottenham to get uh, and and you know Jose Mourinho is was the standout candidate and can you imagine the uproar if if we'd have allowed Arsenal to to get Jose ahead of us and and us have gone for a nobody, you know, a, a, an Eddie Howe or someone just someone who, who just wouldn't get the fans excited at all. You know, it, it would have been an absolute uproar and 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 for me that that's what that's the biggest defining factor. You know, we all said at the time that that Levy was very brave in uh, in the getting a, in ahead of Arsenal because you know that was a massive factor that that is is forgotten quite often and who is out there right now that that you would rather have in the job than 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 Mourinho. You know, you look at someone like Nagelsmann, who he's top of everyone's list. You know, it, you know, it's it's a very difficult one. If if Mourinho did walk in the summer, then who who else would we be left with to to, to go for? Well, I don't think it'll come to that, but I think you're right in the sense that I'd rather have Mourinho than not have him, and I'd rather someone else not have him either. So I think it was the right appointment at the right time, whether it's the right decision. I think that's another thing that we have to unravel. But Holly, in terms of Spending, you know, we obviously want that in the summer, but you do get the feeling there's going to have to be a big axe chopping through the squad. How ruthless will that clear-out job be? Is it going to be over the course of one summer? Is it going to need two, three windows? This is the difficult job that Potts didn't want to do. Is Reno going to get it finally done? I hope so. Let's put it that way. <laughs> we have so much dead wood in the squad, and the like the players like Jan Vertonghen, who I love and adore, I think his time could be up as well. I think the likes of Eric Dyer, Serge Aurier, who I obviously can't stand, um, quite a few other players as well. And I think if we're going to have anyone that's going to do it, it's got to be Jose. Like we've discussed already, he's ruthless. And if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be him. So I think the summer, yes, we need to get a lot of players in to strengthen the squad, but we also need to get rid of a lot of players as well. Because there's no point having the likes of Wanyama, which I thought halfway through the season he wasn't with us. And then I saw him on the bench and I was like, OK. So players like that need to be gone. Yeah, I think, you know, you could make a case for at least half a dozen. But whether it's going to be so severe in such a quick amount of time, we'll have to wait and see. But, Cole, if we go to Saturday, our setup, you'd have to say, really played into Chelsea's hands. And I guess their opening goal was something of a sliding doors moment because Olivier Giroud opens the scoring. And I guess a sense of what might have been had our January business been completed. Yeah, you know, it, it was it was almost a repeat of the reverse fixture, wasn't it, against Chelsea, really? You know, that they kind of came out the blocks really fast. You could tell we, we weren't at it. Um, and, and in many ways, yeah, like I say, this, this has been a problem for us, isn't it? You know, again, there's pressure on the game. You know, this is a game where you can make a statement, get a win, really, you know, kind of now your colours to the masters where you're going. And yet again, we're sitting here thinking we never turn up. We didn't put a display in. 
you know, Chelsea have got a World Cup winner sitting on the bench. You know, as Jose said, you know, England's possible future number one sitting on the bench, another striker in the stands. And, and we're there kind of trying to put wide men up front. You've got an ageing back four. And when someone like Giroud is outpacing your centre-half, then you're kind of sitting there thinking, we have got real problems here. And playing five at the back, we certainly shouldn't have been getting caught out as often as we were with runners just making runs through the centre. Um, because you'd like to think, you know, the point of playing five, if you like, is that you're, you've got enough men back there to cover all those sort of scenarios. So it, it just, you know... It, it just lets you down the kind of performance that comes in. And at no point, you know, apart from, you know, the odd chance, you know, I think we created two really good chances with Mora makes, you know, Caballero make a good save and then Espilicueta makes a good block from a Mora shot. We weren't really causing them problems. They were so comfortable. Um, and you're just, just really flat, isn't it? But you're just sitting there thinking it's just another one of these performances like the first game where... They, they kind of worked us out, you know, it, it was very predictable what we were doing, you know, the centre-halves knock it across each other, they then go to the wide man on the, who's standing on the line, who's already got a man marking him and you're giving him a pass and expecting him then to try and turn, go down the line or do something and all he can do is go backwards because they've read it, they're on you, they're putting pressure when they need to put pressure. Um, and we did, you know, we, we just looked lost. Um, and I think, you know, Glenn Oddle said it in the week that the players just looked lost. Um, and again, it was another performance like that where you just kind of thinking it was there was more hope, hitting hope in what we were doing than an actual style of play. And Chelsea kind of had that. They knew what they were doing. They'd worked us out. Um, and it was inevitable what was coming, really. And James, it wasn't just Giroud had lots of joy on Saturday. A big part of that was the reason to play five at the back and not really wing backs, you know, like an actual back five, which is quite a rare thing. So such a defensive setup. The result obviously leads to the fact it wasn't right under the circumstances. But that said, what else could have been done differently? Very true. You know, very good point, Dan. Um, I, I'm I'm still clamouring after a, a Lamella false nine. Um, but you know, that's it's it's a it's a big shout. You know that that could just as easily go horribly wrong. Um, you know, I, I'm basing that off the, just the, his attributes. I think he, he could lead a press quite well. Um, you know, he's, he's, we know he's got a good close control. So, but then again, you know, he's, he's never played there. He, he probably hasn't got a clue how to play there and it'd probably take a couple of weeks to get him up to speed in a position like that. So, you know, I, I, it's one of those where we haven't got a lot to lose now. Um, you know, who who do who else do we put in that centre forward position? We've we've tried Lucas Moura, um, we've even start, tried um, Stephen Bergwijn there against Villa uh, with Daliali, and and you know none of it really really worked. So what 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 else have we got to lose? Um, you know, but, but up against a team like Chelsea, that that was that was a logical way to set up. Um, I wasn't too unhappy to see the way we lined up, um, especially with Ndombele and and Lo Celso both on the pitch because, you know, you're looking at them to, to, to really make things happen in, in midfield. Um, even with a lack of striker ahead of them, you know, you're looking at players like Lucas and Bergwijn to, to, to fill the gaps in, uh, and try and make something happen out wide. But, you know, it, it just never clicked, um, and it and it was very clear from the first half that it it was it wasn't going to click. Uh, I just, I just thought we we didn't really get out of the blocks, um, conceded a very soft goal, uh, and 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 from then on, I just don't think, I don't think Tottenham ever ever really thought they were going to win. But 
uh, also, I, I think very importantly, I think Chelsea didn't feel like they were ever going to lose that game. Um, they they had their tails up, and uh, and and they you know they were they were kicking us while we were down. So you know, as you say, not a lot else Mourinho could have done to to set us up differently. Um, I wasn't too displeased with with the starting eleven. Um, you know, but it is just getting to the point now where you want to see a, a few different things tried because what we're trying at the moment. Um, it, it isn't working, um, and and you know, as I say, I, I think Lamella could do could do a job there. Holly, what did you make of the Lucas and Bergvine pairing? Has it got much legs for the rest of the season? Are we sort of just literally, like James says, trying any combinations now? And if anything sticks, we'll run with that. Yeah, I think it's pretty much that. To be honest, we're trying everything, and we really can't seem to find anything that's working. I think, though, on a positive note, if there was anything, I think Stevie B up top played a lot better than Lucas up top in all honesty because it looked like throughout the game that Lucas was peeling more out wide in a more wider position than playing up top and for me I thought like we've said before Lucas has these moments of brilliance in some games and then he's non-existent the others but I think with Stephen although he didn't get the uh, service that he might want he actually seemed to hold the ball up a bit better and try and find that pass back to maybe the Lacelso or the to try and make something happen but yeah honestly I, I don't really know what we're going to do going forward I mean Mourinho said he doesn't want Troy Parrott playing because maybe he's ex- he hasn't really got any experience or anything. But at this stage, what else can we do? Like, can we give him a go? Should we just try him? But yeah, this whole Lucas and Bergwijn thing, I'm happy with Lucas playing where he did at the weekend. And if we're not going to play Troy, I'll see Stephen Bergwijn up top. Well, that brings me on to my next question because we're going to talk about Troy Parrott now. So, Carl, Kev Gower has been kind enough to ask that question and he sort of says that why is Jose ignoring him? Surely we're at the point now where it's sink or swim. Well, you'd think so, wouldn't you? But, you know, if you look at the reports, then there are other reports that, you know, Parrot's attitude hasn't been where it needs to be, possibly, and that might be one of the reasons why he's not getting a run out. Um, the only trouble is we kind of had this with Marcus Edwards, didn't we, where, you know, you've got this great potential that, you know, everyone's raving about. Um, and then again, you hear that he doesn't really get the chances, and then all of a sudden, you you hear that there's an attitude problem. I just wonder whether we, are, as they say, we are at a point where you kind of do just feel well. Maybe he's not going to start games. You know, I don't think it's realistic to believe that he's going to come in and just suddenly start games. But he's got to be on the bench, in my opinion, now because whether we like it or not. More than that, there it's not their natural position. You know, yes, they can do a job sometimes, but. At least with, if you have Parrot around, he is a natural striker. That is his position. He will do things slightly differently than what those guys do. So I'm not going to say we need to throw him in and just start him now. But I do believe we should have him on the bench and at least start now giving him 25 half hour in games, especially at the weekend there where you're sitting there thinking, well, there isn't nothing really more to lose because... Mora's not doing a job, you know, Mora, say, Mora was having one of them games where nothing was sticking, his control wasn't good enough, you know, when he was trying his dribbles, he was just getting taken out and losing the ball. So you do then have to sit there and say, well, I need to change it. But if you don't have nothing there, you can't. So you may as well at least now give this kid a chance and say, well, you know, you are going to get some game time. We are going to see what you're made of. Because I think, you know, we lost out with Marcus Edwards because we never really gave him minutes to see what he could actually do um, if he was given a chance. And it may be that suddenly a few more games kind of swing his attitude and make him kind of knuckle down a little bit. So 
yeah, for me, I think we've got to start introducing him now. And, you know, it's sink or swim. You know, this rubbish about is he experienced? Does he have the experience? Well, as, you know, we've heard before from ex-pros on this show, you never have the experience until you're actually thrown in and you can then get the experience. So, so let's see what he can do because we've got nothing more to lose, in my opinion. But saying that, there's obviously stuff going on behind the scenes that we won't know about and we don't know how serious those things are. And, and obviously Mourinho doesn't particularly fancy him. Um, so that's why he's not getting a look in. But you would have to sit there and say, now is the time to actually, you know, this is make or break for this season, isn't it now, for the rest of the season. So you may as well go for broke and give him some minutes. James, I'd like to get your take on all things Parrot. Is the clamour from fans due to genuine talent, a perception of that, or is it just down to desperation now? Uh, I'm 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 on the side of thinking it's more desperation. Um, it, there's there's no way that anyone uh, clamouring for for Parrot on Twitter or has, has watched enough of him um, to to know how good he is. You know we we see we see highlights. We see um, yeah you might watch the odd game in which he impresses, but the 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 gap between under 23s football um, and even League One football. Is is huge. Um, you know, we we see players tearing it up for for reserves, and then as soon as they go out on loan, they they don't get a chance. They, you know, we talking about Marcus Edwards a lot. You know, he he went to places like Norwich, uh, and and was told that he wasn't training hard enough, he wasn't training well enough, and he wasn't getting anywhere near the squad. But you know, it's it's easy for these kids to to think, oh, if I play for Tottenham Hotspur, I've made it. But you you really haven't. You've got to look at someone like Jafet Tanganga, who has clearly been working his ass off since pre-season, and had a really good pre-season, and and then and kicked on from there. But you know, Jose and and Pochettino too, we're seeing these players a hell of a lot more than we are, a hell of a lot more than the than the the, the keyboard warriors are. Uh, and and if he doesn't see it, then there must be something wrong. You know, if he was absolutely brilliant week in week out on the training pitch. His attitude was brilliant. He was training extra every day. We'd be seeing him in in the squad. We would. Um, so then there must be something. It's not just it's not just stubbornness. It's not for the hell of it. Because if if Parrot was good enough, then that solves the the striker problem that that Mourinho has. And the fact that he hasn't hasn't tried it yet, it, it shows something to me. And I, I have every faith in in the manager. And you know, it's not just the manager. It's his coaching team. There's in this era where Every training session, you know, their GPS trackers are tracking how much you've run, how, how you know, this, that, and the other. There's, there's a whole team of people watching Troy Parrott right now, and if he was ready, I believe that we'd we'd, we'd be seeing more of him. So, um, we're just looking for something to rescue our season, um, uh, and we're hoping that that it's uh, you know an 18 year old Irish lad who, who might come to our rescue. But in reality, um, it, it it probably isn't the answer. If only we had a role model striker in at the squad at the club, then that he could if look only. up to. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Someone's coming and wing and season. you know, like mould him and you know, learn to live like he's doing. You know, if only if only we could get that kind of. You know, Kane could take that lad under his wing and kind of you know work with him and you know show him the dedication that's needed. Because let's face it, Kane is the ultimate example, isn't it, as someone that you say, listen, you know. 
at times, I didn't think there was a future at the club for him. And just look what he's achieved by knuckling down, you know, making football his life and doing everything the right way. So we just need to hope that if there is an attitude problem, someone like Kane can get hold of this lad and say, listen, come on, you've got, there's potential there, so don't waste it. But this is the sort of stuff you've got to do to make sure that you do get the best out of your ability and career. But maybe, you know, maybe we are getting a bit ahead of ourselves. You know, Parrot's only just turned 18. Harry Kane didn't didn't come through till till way after that. So, you know, maybe we are getting a little bit ahead of ourselves and and he he just needs to mature that little bit longer and 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 you know, when he does mature, he'll still be as good as we're all hoping that he's going to be. Oh yeah, I mean, there's still plenty of time for him to make a breakthrough. Holly, could that breakthrough be as early as next Wednesday with an FA Cup game on the horizon? Can we take a risk or is that arguably now our most important game of the season? I think right now that probably is our most important game of the season. I mean, what, the last time we won the trophy was 2008 and that's the only trophy I can remember. So for me right now, although I really want Champions League football next season, I, the prospect of it happening and ha- like certainly happening is very slim for me, I feel. So I think getting further and further into the FA Cup and hopefully going to the final is a, is a must. But I agree with Paul. I think we need to stick him on the bench in that FA Cup game. Not necessarily start him, just have him there so we know we've got a striker ready to come on if we need to switch the game up at all. Carl, one player who offered something on Saturday was Giovanni Lo Celso. Although you could argue he offered his studs to Cesar Azpilicueta. So what did you make of that tackle? And did you feel we were lucky not to be a man short? Well, personally, I love the tackle, Dan, because there's no bigger shit house than a spill equator, is there? So true, true. You know, I, I, I wasn't disappointed to see him <laughs> cop one, that's for sure. Um, but no, it, the reality is anyone who watches that, um, in real time, you didn't actually quite see the tackle and see how bad it was. Um, you just saw a spill equator go down and people react and you're thinking, well, I didn't really see too much in that. Um, but then once you're watching the replays go through and you're seeing the different angles, you're thinking that is a red card. And I'm afraid if that had been, you know, a player on one of our players, you would be screaming for a red card. And quite rightly, as Chelsea are aggrieved that one wasn't given because the replays clearly showed, you know, it, it was there. You know, the, the leg bends and it's fully on the leg. The ball's nowhere near. And you've got to say we got away with one. There are people out there who at the time, you know, I, I said at the straight away at the game, seeing the replays, like, we've got away with one there because that's a red. And some people are trying to say, no, not at all. You know, even Glenn Oddle was on the commentary saying, no, I don't think so. That was a red card. And, you know, there's a, a more blatant one you won't see all season. So we just have to be grateful we got away with it because at that point there was still a chance we could get back in the game. Um, and obviously if we'd been sent off at that point, then it was it was dead and buried and you could have seen three or four possibly by the end of the game. But VAR has made a massive mistake there and the Celso's a lucky boy. There's a goal at Anfield. West Ham are two on up. Anyway, moving on. James, why did Michael Oliver not go to the monitor then? Because all that tackle did really was pass the buck to someone else in the control tower. His wildly incorrect opinion has stopped Chelsea having a man's advantage. So, in all honesty, a total cock-up from all the officials. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it was only a couple of weeks ago where um, the, the Premier League referees were told and they, they said themselves that they were going to use the monitor more. And I think since then, we've seen it, what, twice? I think I think they went to the, did they go to the monitor for Aubameyangs and then... I think there was one afterwards as well in the Norwich game. That's right. Uh, but I think that that's it. You know, for for all these all these decisions that we're talking about, that that is it. And I, I genuinely think if if the referee himself watches that back, 
it's a no. Well, it's a no-brainer anyway. Uh, how how whoever was uh, in front of the monitor in Stockley Park didn't think that was a red card. I, I'm absolutely baffled. Um, you know, I, I I was I'd start watching. I'd, I'd turn my head away. Oh, that's a red card. No, no-brainer. Um, it's a very weird decision. The ref should have gone to the monitor. Uh, he should have watched it once or twice because you know they watched how many times they watched they must have watched it 20 times and you know i i said i said to, to the lads i was with i said that this this gets is getting worse every single time i watch it you know the 20th time i watched it i thought that is such a bad tackle um but you know i guess we, we've 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 got a little bit lucky because if uh if lacelso was suspended We'd be in even more trouble than we than we're already in because he's you know he's been the the shining light for me of the last couple of weeks uh, in that he he is really starting to find his feet and he's playing some really great football. I think he was our best player against uh, Leipzig. Um, he had a tough game against Chelsea, but you know didn't everyone? Um, and I think that he he is a real shining light of our season if if he can continue this form um, because he's he's really starting to get hold of the ball and, and make things happen. Holly, I think the overriding thing to take from that game is that the scoreline flattened us. On reflection, that's not a 2-1 game. So the race for fourth, or perhaps maybe fifth, how do we deal with another blow that's been dealt to us by Chelsea? Because if you cast your mind back to Christmas, we were three points behind them. If we beat them, we're all square. That's That defeat puts us into a bit of a tailspin. It looks like another one's going to happen. So can we sort of dust ourselves off quickly? Or are we going to be in a bit of a rough sort of period, not just for a few weeks, but maybe for a couple of months? I really hope so, but realistically, I don't want to be too negative, but with the injuries we've had, I think everything's just going downhill, really. Like we've already mentioned before, we just want this season to be over. It'd be great if we manage to have a good FA Cup run, but from that, I can see top four slipping and slipping quite fast. Right, let's focus on three midfielders now. Cole, you get Deli Alley. What did you make of the decision to see him rested on the bench? Did that decision come from the performance against RB Leipzig or the petulance being showed when he was subbed off? I don't think it'll be the petulance um, because I think, you know, there are it could be petulance. But then I would also sort of sit there and say, you know, if, if you're seeing a player who's happy to be coming off and isn't showing some frustration, that would annoy me a little bit more. You know, I don't mind seeing a bit of frustration and anger because, you know, that can then be put into the next performance. I think what we saw was just a combination of how Ali's been playing recently. And Mourinho's obviously maybe thought, well, do you know what? Maybe... I'll just drop you for a big game and that might also be a little bit of a spur to you to kind of get your season going again. So I think Mourinho is probably trying to do it just to say you haven't been great the last two or three games um, and maybe I'm just going to sit you out and see if this can kickstart you. Um, you know, when he came on, he, he kind of looked OK when he came on. But I think we'll see him back in the starting lineup in, in the next game. Um, I think it was just, you know, say, Mourinho tactics to try and maybe give him a bit of a wake up and hope that can get him to turn his season around. Um, but like I say, I, I still say, Dan, you know, if you're asking me personally, I think come the summer, he'd be my big sacrifice. I know we love these players and we don't want to see them leave. The likes of Jan and Toby, you know, they're, they're part of a special memories for us. Um, or a special squad and feeling at that time. But I think there is a point where we do have to learn that actually sometimes you might have to sacrifice someone that you love for the greater good. And for me, I think Ali is that player that in the summer, I would, as long as the money was put back into the squad and spent the right way, I'd still say he's a player I'd sacrifice again uh, and let go. But I think we'll see him back in the lineup, and I think Jose is just trying to get him to kind of wake up a little bit. 
James, you mentioned Eric Meller earlier. So I'm going to propose a little shape of uh, an attacking unit for you. Could you see Bergvine at the peak of that with Lamella and Lucas out wide and Ali playing in a number 10? Would that work for you? Um, it, it could work for me, but I think Lo Celso in that number 10 position is is, is my favourite. Um, I just uh, Deli Ali's role for me um, would be further forward. Um, I think his... His, you know, the most important thing he does for the squad are those runs in behind um, that that Toby is so used to hitting, and, uh, and you know I think that that's his biggest weapon. I think what we what we expect from Delhi is that he's going to get the ball on the ground a bit more, and he's going to he's going to do a bit more in that number ten role, but which he doesn't really seem to do. Whereas Lo Celso, um, I, I think he he is better at that. You know, he he, he can run with the ball. He can, he's certainly got. And the vision that Deli Ali hasn't quite got. Um, so for me, I think I'd be pushing for him to play in that in that centre midfield role um, with Harry Winks um, behind him. And and as much as he isn't playing well at the moment because of his fitness issues, I think Ndombele is, is such a special player that we need to be really really pushing for him to be in the side. Um, that said, that that front three sounds very promising. If if you are going to drop um, Deli Ali to the bench. Um, because Eric Lamella has, has made things happen. Like I say, he's made things happen in his cameo appearances. He made things happen against Chelsea. Um, and, you know, he, 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 whether you like him or not, he leaves everything on the pitch. And, and that's not what you can say about someone like Deli Ali. Um, Deli Ali's got a bit of arrogance about him that he's, he's fantastic when he's, when he's playing in form. But when he's not, he, he makes himself look a bit silly, really. Um, but, you know, Eric Lamella, I, I, I think he... He's got a really important role to play in this squad. We we were all saying it at the start of the season that he he was going to be a really important player this year. Um, he drops off a little bit, but I think him and him and Lacelso, um, obviously two good mates as well. I think they're they're two players that we could uh, that we should really be relying on to to kind of try and drag our season back from the mire. Holly, we've got another listener's question, and it's from JJ Season. He asks. Question for Holly. Ignoring his looks, do you realistically think Winks is the future of our midfield? I honestly hate him. Don't let him question <laughs> again. He's done that on purpose. <laughs> um, it's a tough one, obviously, because I love Winks to death. But his recent form has really frustrated me recently. I mean, against Chelsea, he was flying in at tackles, even though he was on a yellow card. I don't know what was going on in his brain. I don't know. I think it's this whole midfield shape at the minute we haven't really found the consistency and who works best with who I think when he works in the Dombele it's it's okay but it's not great I honestly don't know I really he's stunned me there and he's done that on purpose thanks for that JJ if you're listening so Cole of course we should also cast our mind back to Tuesday because a Champions League performance 1-0 keeps us in the tie but it looks like the same attacking problems could crop up in East Germany yeah, the, the the worrying thing there wasn't it was that in in all honesty, Leipzig could have put that game to bed within about the first um, ten fifteen minutes. To be honest, the way they came out the blocks, and you kind of think, you know, if they do that again to us out there, then we could be out of the tie before we have a chance to get going. Um, it is only one nil. Um, you know, we have to look back at the Ajax game, and no one gave us a shout in the return leg there. So. 
we just have to hope we have one of those special nights and, and we can go out there and try and put a performance in. Um, that they're going to be tough. There's no doubt about it. That, that they played really well the other night. You know, very organised. They kind of knew what they were doing with us. They marshalled us well. And attacking wise, you know, Warner is a special player um, who, who could you, you know could win them the game very early. We just need to get out the blocks, you know. We constantly have this problem recently where we're slow out the blocks and before you know it, we're a goal behind and we're then chasing the game. We need to try and, you know, cut that out, just be solid for 15, 20 minutes and then hopefully we can get in front in a game and then you've got something to hang on to. But it'll be very tough out there. Um, and, you know, if I'm, if I'm being honest, I can't see us pulling this one out of the bag. Well, I think trying to get two goals over there is going to be very difficult. James, the reason why it's not impossible is due to Hugo Lloris. I guess we're indebted due to him and a number of saves he made on Tuesday. Yeah, um, we were all very concerned after Lloris's injury against Brighton that um, that he was never going to be the same player again. You know, a, a player in you know the time of his career you know, with that injury as well, a real horrible injury. Um, we thought he was going to be out for the season and, and you know never quite as good. And yet he's came back almost better. You know, he, he's 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 made some absolutely brilliant saves. You know, I just the amount of points that Hugo Lloris must have won us, it, it, you know, it's, it's absolutely incredible. You know, 250 games up now. I think he's been an absolutely outstanding servant for the club. I think anyone claiming that he shouldn't be our captain anymore um, just because of Harry Kane's emergence is absolutely off the red. Um, he's a World Cup winning captain and uh, you know I'll never have enough good things to say about Lloris um, you know it's been said before that he he makes too many mistakes all this you know blah 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 but there's not a premier, there's not a keeper in, in the world that doesn't make mistakes every now and again um, and I think we needed that time with Paolo Gazzaniga as our goalkeeper to kind of realise how good Lloris, Lloris is you know Gazzaniga's was was great when he when he deputised, but he even he had moments of, of craziness in him, um, and, and you know I, I think it just goes to show that, that every every keeper has him, and, and Hugo makes saves that you just you just don't expect any goalkeeper to be able to make, and uh, yeah I think he's a, he's a great player to have back backing around the squad, and uh, I'm glad he's back. And Holly, he wasn't too far away from the penalty that uh, Tino Werner took. However, what did you make of the decision? For someone of Ben Davis's relative experience, quite a lot, you'd have to say, that's quite a big mistake, isn't it? Yeah, it was very big. But then if you look at the positioning of everyone else, I mean, I don't want to pick on Delhi, but he wasn't marking anyone. Davies had two people at the back there. And it's either he makes that silly mistake or they score anyway, for me. I thought, personally, that was what was going to happen. Davies unfortunately makes that decision to give away a penalty. I mean, Lloris in goal and his penalty saving, sometimes he does save them. So maybe that's what Davies was thinking. I've got two people behind me. Do I make the tackle and see if Lloris can save it for me? I don't know. But yeah, it wasn't great from Davies, but I can also see why he may have done it. Yeah, do you know, that's a very fair point, actually, because I think in that scenario, you can always rely, hopefully, on your goalkeeper to, to bail you out. And so you think, actually, I've not given away a goal yet. There's still something up in the air. But... Unfortunately, it didn't pan out the way we wanted to. Hopefully, this weekend is better, and it's the visit of Wolves, Cole. 
Now, that's not going to be interesting. Sorry, that's not going to be easy. It's only going to be interesting, though, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you might be right here from our point of view, Dan, what you said. <laughs> um, you know, it might not be very interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I do fear for us in this game. I really do, because I think Wolves are a really good side. And right now, they are buzzing. Um, you know, they've got two forwards who cause a lot of problems. And I just don't see our centre-halves being able to cope. So, I don't think we'll be able to keep a clean sheet. But this is a Wolves side that can defend really well. Um, you know, I, I worry. I really do. I, I think we'll get beat this weekend. I really do. Um, which which throws us into the mire even more because they're really good. And I just think that the, the mood at the moment around the club, it, 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 isn't, it doesn't lead to kind of expressive football on the pitch. And you can only hope maybe that Jose is going to maybe try and change tact a little bit. You know, the backlash from the kind of negativity from this weekend's performance. Maybe he'll try and change it up a little bit and go on the attack a bit more. Obviously, we're at home, um, but it's not the fortress White Hart Lane anymore. So, yeah, I, I don't have a good feeling about this game. I think Wolves will be too strong for us on the day. And James, Wolves, I think they've got two feet in the next round of the Europa League, so they're not even going to be necessarily fatigued by a midweek effort because they can pretty much play the reserves against Espanyol. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Um, you know, we, we've spent a lot of the season talking about Wolves, talking about Traore uh, and talking about Jimenez. Um, but, you know, Diogo Jota, two back-to-back hat-tricks in the, uh, in the Europa League, grabbed the number two at the weekend, I think, and... You know, they've just got players like that who seem to be going under the radar about just how good they are. And you know, Carl says there about how just how good their their back three has been. You know, two of those back three are, are converted centre midfielders, and and yet they just seem to have got a system nailed down, which is something that I've been jealous of for the last two seasons. Is that they they have a way of playing football and and they stick to it. You know, that whether whether it's working or not, they stick at it and. And it's just something that we've been lacking. You know, we we used to have, and the last time we played with the system was probably when we had Walker and and, and Rose, quite similar to the Wolves actually. Um, but since then, we've we've kind of been winging it a little bit. Um, uh, you know, I'm the same as Carl. I, I really worry about this weekend. They're a, they're a great team, and it, it's weird how how the feeling around games like this is so different. You know, you look at you look at the Chelsea game last week. We we were talking about how how we fancied ourselves against Chelsea, who was supposedly a better team than Wolves. Um, I think what it is, is that we're looking at Wolves and they're playing with expansive football. They're playing, you know, they're playing with their tails up. Whereas Chelsea, you think, you know, they're, they're more, more inclined to have a bad week. Um, and we're more inclined to turn up against a team like Chelsea as well. Um, whereas we're coming up against Wolves now, we're supposedly a, a worse team, but, I think we're all going to be predicting uh, a Tottenham defeat this weekend. Um, but, you know, it's, it is just the way Wolves play. I think when Traore gets a, gets a run at, at, at Ben Davis, if it is Ben Davis, um, then we're all going to be uh, going to be clenching a little bit. Um, but, you know, we, you never know. It's Tottenham Hotspur, so it, it, they might surprise us. And Holly, in shock news, Jose Mourinho has been given the sack. You've got the job. So what changes are you making to Saturday's defeat to Chelsea? Can I change everyone, or is that not? If you want, you're the manager. (laughs) Um, like I say, I mean Chelsea and Wolves. I mean, I think I'm more scared of Wolves than I am Chelsea right now. Like we said, Chelsea aren't the people that are necessarily consistent or might not have necessarily beaten us, but they have. So 
episode, I think I'd have to stick with Jose and go with that five again and just play defensive. I think against Chelsea, we're trying to lower the blow. I think that's what we're going to have to do again. I mean, I'd like to see the Don Blay and Lo in there again. And I'd like to see Stephen Bergman start up top and obviously keep, put Troy on the bench. And that's my only change. Put Troy on the bench and keep him there. And maybe bring him on if it's really looking dire. Right, OK. Good uh, good shout there, Holly. So I'm now going to go to you first for the prediction. What do you think is going to happen on Sunday? Um, I'm going to... Normally, I'd be quite optimistic. But I think I'm going to go with a 3-0 defeat. Three? Wow, my word. Yeah. <laughs> Zero, dear. Uh, that's all right. That's fine. Carl, what about yourself, mate? Well, Holly's kind of reading my mind a little bit I think we'll score one but I think we'll lose 3-1 do you know what I was thinking 3-1 so that is uh, not a good start for uh, the three of us so James is it any better from you or is it a clean sweep of prediction defeats I'm afraid not mate I, I don't even see a scoring um, so I'm, I'm going to go 2-0 Wolves OK blimey right OK a draw would be a good result then um, that's about it for this week I think we've hit just about time I was going to mention the Jimmy Greaves documentary, but we'll do that next week when we've got a bit less to chat about because there's been so much action, not necessarily good action, but there's been so much. We'll chat about that in next week's show. So to this one, I need to just do the quick admin, and that is to thank my guests. Holly, an absolute pleasure as always. Thank you ever so much for your time. Yeah, I loved it. Thanks for having me on again. No problem at all. James, thanks for you as well. Thanks again, mate. and really enjoyed it. And Carl, thanks for your time also, mate. Cheers, Dan. Another good therapy session. I think we're going to need to get used to a few of these before the end of the season's out. Yeah, I think we will, unfortunately. But hopefully there's more fun stuff to chat about next week. And with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. And as always, come on, you Spurs. For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts. Download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.